And if you're really trying to, to, to have your team be the most productive that they could be, you got to tap into what motivates them. What's, what's the thing that gives them purpose? Hi there, I'm Bev from Jostle, and this is the People at Work podcast. Jostle is the creator of a people-centric intranet that is focused on improving the employee experience and creating extraordinary workplaces. On the episode today, I chat with Shauna Stewart, who is the head of people and operations at Post Beyond. Shauna and I dig into a very interesting set of topics around how to build a healthy, vibrant workplace and the role that leaders, feedback and purpose play in engaging people. I really hope you'll enjoy the episode and please do leave us some feedback at the end. Hey there, Shauna. It's amazing to have you on the podcast with me today. And I, uh, I'm really delighted that we've been able to uh, meet uh, through this uh, modality, I guess. Uh, we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the last few weeks as we discovered that we have this shared passion for uh, people at work and creating amazing workplaces where people can show up and do amazing work, but also feel that they're recognized and enjoy their day at work. So thank you for being willing to come on the show and talk to us about your experience and what you're doing at the company that you work for today. Thanks for having me. Uh, I love meeting like-minded people who are into people as much as I am. It's really great. Fantastic. So why don't we start with uh, perhaps just a, a bit of an, a quick overview from you about your uh, career and uh, what led you to uh, become so passionate about people and then tell us a little bit about the company that you work for today. Sure. Uh, well, I started out at uh, in, in psychology. That's where I kind of got my, my feet wet in, in people and, and looking at, uh, you know, behavior, uh, just wanting to study study people because, you know, people are all around us and we have to interact on a daily basis with one another. So I find, uh, you know, understanding people to be very interesting. And at first I was sort of looking at, you know, clinical psychology, trying to understand people on a one-to-one -one basis. And uh, I got some exposure in that field uh, and, you know, did some volunteer work and things like that, but felt that you know, my passions came out when I was doing volunteer work with the school that I worked, that I went to, uh, being on the student union, um, advocating for the students, trying to make sure that, you know, people's rights were, were being respected, that they were being heard, that we were able to change certain policies that maybe didn't work for the student body and, and really, you know, standing up for what we believe in and what, what other people were, um, you know, trying to put forward as, as best practice and the right thing to do from a humanity standpoint. And so uh, with that in mind, I started looking at organizational behavior and that sort of led me down the path of the, the HR uh, side of things, going back to, to um, continue my education within the HR field and, uh, you know, getting certified in that and, and working in that field uh, really exposed me to a lot of interesting people and in the world of work, which is, is very interesting because, you know, mostly people work, you know, on a general, a general yeah. blanket statement, I'll say, you know, most, <laughs> yep. most people have jobs. 
um, and yeah. they have to interact with other people in order to to keep those jobs going and um, to get what they need out of, of the work that they're doing. And so uh, with that comes a lot of intricacies and there are so, so many things to unpack in that. And uh, really trying to understand that was was my main goal, like working in an environment with, you know, I've been in construction uh, environments where you're working with certain type of people um, who have a view of what the workplace should be and trying to implement policies on that side of things and then uh, segueing into more of a, an office environment and, and, you know, B2B environment and and just people, uh, you know, everyone's so different and, they're, and they have their unique ways of doing things and going about business, but there are a lot of similarities that you can tap into to try and make, you know, it be a, a place of harmony and trying to figure out the uh, mechanics of all the work, uh, the workplace and the structure and all of that. I think that that's uh, something that's very interesting. And I think I do a good job at try to, trying to tap into it. So definitely brought that forward in, in Post Beyond, which is where I work right now. And, uh, you know, it's been going well so far. So, yeah. Well, it's fabulous. I'm, I'm really interested in your um, your psychology background because I, I also have a, a background in uh, my first well, my undergrad degree was in um, psychology and communications, and right. I've also had a real fascination around how people come together to do things and what's the emotional driver that lies underneath each human's capacity to to actually interact with others, and you know, not just at a workplace level, but in society generally. So For I'm sure. just very interested yeah. to hear you you say that. Definitely, I and, think. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, that, that, I was just going to drill into that a little bit more and, and ask you around, you know, as you've, you've been exposed to different work environments and different roles that you've held, how much have you tapped back into that psychology orientation or that interest in uh, human nature? Yeah, I definitely try to figure out, you know, what is what's the motivation that everyone has? Everyone has a different intrinsic motivation and and if you're really trying to 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 have your team be the most productive that they could be, you got to tap into what motivates them. What's what's the thing that gives them purpose? And and hone in on that. Um, everyone has their talents. Everyone has those things that they're really good at. That's why they're in their profession. You'd hope. Um, and yeah. if there is something that that's you know you can bring out in them and focus more on that, then that's something that would be beneficial across the board, not just for the individual, but for the company as well. So trying to figure out what those motivations are and what that key purpose is, I think is so important. And it's something that de definitely gets overlooked when, you know, it could be from an executive level, it could be just, you know, maybe not understanding how, what makes a business tick, you know, you have to, to really take the time to, to figure those things out and not just bypass it, not just say, I want to squeeze these people for all their worth and I'm not getting enough out of them. I can't get them to be engaged and I can't figure it out. It's, it's not just a, a blanket of, you know, I'll do this to everyone and it'll be, you know, this is the great outcome that I'm going to get. It's always an individual basis. And I think that that's something that, that gets missed in a lot of places. Yeah, I would agree. And I've, I've heard a, a similar um, sort of insight from a few people that I've spoken to recently. And it's really become something that it seems like a no brainer. It seems like it's mm -hmm. something that, that managers and leaders should tap into, you know, automatically, that they need to be thinking about the individual person. 
understanding what drives each individual and then trying to harness and capture that potential by providing environments that actually allow those people to be successful. And For sure. however, we're, we're failing, right? I mean, obviously, we, we all know that the data around the poor engagement rates that we see across um, North America, and that can probably be extrapolated to the rest of the world or the working world. But what's your feeling about what is actually the core root of this engagement problem? Um, is it that we're just not aligning people behind the purpose of the business and the, the passion that people have? Or like, what do you think the actual problem is? Well, I think, you know, you're, you're right on there. You know, if it was a no brainer, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, right? There's a reason why um, people want to know how, how to engage their teams. And I do think that a, a lot of it does stem from purpose. But when you're talking about like, you know, what motivates people, it's easy to be like, let's just reward them or let's just recognize them in this way and it'll all be fine. But um, I think that what's missing is is this a strategic element? You know, what are the metrics behind this? Do a needs analysis with your team and see what it is that's bogging them down, that's stopping them from doing their best work. Having that conversation, finding out what their KPIs should be that, you know, really focus on their achievements. Are they attainable? Are their goals attainable? Um, and in that, is there purpose in what their, those goals are? Do they tie back into the overarching goal of your company, your North Star, your vision overall? Does everybody have the same idea of what the vision is? And, you know, I think it comes back down to the why, like why are we doing certain things that we're doing? It's not just, hey, do this, do this, and you kind of fit into this bigger puzzle. Um, they, everybody wants to know what the big puzzle is. What, is. what is this vision that we have? And how does my contributions actually fit into mm -hmm. that? I want to be impactful. I want to have meaningful results. So articulating that to the team and actually coming up with that, you know, with those people, not just on a high level in terms of, you know, the executive team comes in and they have a meeting and they say, okay, great. This team's going to focus on this. This team's going to focus on this. And these are their goals. You got to make sure that everybody's bought into the model. And the best way to do that is to have them in the conversation from the very beginning, not just after you've decided what it will be. I think keeping it open, keeping a conversation going, making sure that everybody's on the same page will really, really help with pushing forward towards those goals because you'll be able to troubleshoot right on, right from the get-go if there will be issues that come up because those people who are at the front line know what those issues would be. They can see that mm -hmm. before you know you even implement what the goal is and they can try to combat that and move forward you know, course correct before you even, you know, put resources behind it or put time before, behind it. And then later on, find out that there's an issue and it's too late or, you know, you've wasted a quarter focusing on something that's not going to be feasible to complete or people aren't engaged in it because they didn't choose it for themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand that. And how much of a role do you think um, fear plays in the average manager or leader's approach to actually understanding what someone else's needs are or what um, the passion of an employee is that might not, they might not be able to satisfy that need or they might not necessarily care or want to hear what the employee wants. So that, you know, the, the fear element comes in in terms of not being able to satisfy a need that's there um, or just in terms of their own vulnerability in, being able to meet the goals of the organization if they're 
their people are, are not aligned, but they're not taking the time to actually understand what their people need. So, you know, what's driving, I guess what I'm trying to get to is just, like, I think it's an interesting conversation about, you know, what's, what's driving the decisions that leaders are making today that clearly something's broken. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's, fortunately, there are many of us now who are like-minded around this notion that it is about individual passion and how that aligns with the purpose of the organization and how everyone assembles themselves to work towards this greater good or purpose yeah. or whatever it is that the, the company's trying to achieve. But we're not getting there in many instances. And, you know, I think you and I are fortunate enough. We, we appear to work for organizations where our leaders and others do get what's needed to bring everyone together in a really positive way. But there are lots and lots of people who are really unhappy at work and in really toxic environments and workplaces that are not satisfying their needs. So, you know, what's sitting at the root of that? Definitely. I'm I'm not sure if it's so much fear um, as it is a misunderstanding of mm, what needs to be done. Um, I think it's a, a mindset thing. And, and it does start from the top. You know, you do need to have your executive team understand what you need to do to support your team. And, you know, I've been reading up a lot on, you know, psychological safety and, you know, having a, a boss that's empathetic to you and that supports you. And it takes time to build those kinds of relationships. And and what ends up happening is on the executive level, they want things done at a certain time. You know, we have this quarter to, to complete this goal, but y- you don't bring into that the personal relationships that you're building with the people who are actually doing the work, the nurturing that goes into that. When when I talk to the, the team here, you know, the leadership team, I have one-on-ones with them and I meet with them on a on a a very consistent basis to make sure that, you know, when they're having their one-on-ones, they're actually you know, not just going into a task-oriented mindset that, you know, what did we do today or what are we doing next week or what have you, but actually engaging with their teams. When you're having one-on-ones, make sure that you ask them, how are they doing? (laughs) You know, um, how was your weekend? What were things that bothered you about this task that we just did? Did you like it? Did you, what, you know, what can we do better going forward? Asking them instead of being like, oh, you got it done. Perfect. Moving on to the next thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's really important to ask because those tasks are going to come up again or tasks just like it are going to come up again. And if you have no idea that that person hates that task and you don't know why they hate that task, then you can't do anything to change how you approach it or how they approach it. And so what you're going to end up seeing is on after, when you do your review or you do your, your uh, employee uh, satisfaction survey, they're going to seem very dissatisfied and you're not going to see it coming because you had mm-hmm. no idea that they were dissatisfied with their work because you never asked. Right. And it's not just a, an overarching question of, you know, how was it? They could say it was easy. They could say it was hard. They could say, you know, try to really dig for some information. I think that that's, that's definitely something that does take time. And I think that having that mindset to know that that's going to take time is what's lacking uh, maybe they don't have, they don't feel they have the time to ask those types of questions, so they get right into the work, and you know, just try to to move forward in that respect because maybe they don't have executive buy-in to have that kind of time to ask their team these questions. So I don't think it's it's fear-based. I think it it really comes back to 
timing and not having that support from either they're not giving the support to their team or they're not getting the support from the, the executive or the CEO or what have you in terms of allotting that time to actually pay attention to what their teams need going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it, it also speaks to a, a bit of a disconnect that exists with the motivation um, for you know some managers when they have one-on-one -on -one meetings. They're not going into those meetings with um, the right mindset around what the purpose of that meeting actually is. And I like right. that you mentioned that you're not going into one-on-ones as a task update meeting. That's not what those meetings are there for. They are project update meetings and that's what those meetings should be used for. I think a lot of managers who perhaps don't have the skills or who haven't had the experience with running effective one-on-ones, you default to talking about project work because that's the comfortable place to go because there's commonality there. It's, it's easy just to talk about it in a non-emotional way. But right. the problem is that there's a real disconnect with what the employee is looking to get out of those meetings and that one-on-one -on -one time with their manager and what the manager is actually bringing to the session. So uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about one-on-ones here and have tried different things to um, make them more successful and more satisfying ultimately for the employee. And I think it's a really interesting place where you can see a lot of progress quite quickly if you focus on the quality of what those one-on-ones actually are. And, and obviously people are going to have different styles of conducting those sessions, but yeah. I think, and I don't know what you do at uh, Post Beyond, but we we basically just have a set of ground rules around, you know, these, these meetings have to happen at a certain cadence. This is sort of the expectation of what they're there for, but in terms of how they run and what you do in there and what you come out with is up to the manager and the employee. So what are your one-on-ones, like what's the structure of your one-on-ones at uh, Post Beyond? Well, the first, uh, the one-on-ones are typically 30 minutes and they're on a weekly basis. So uh, I think it's important to have it at, at this cadence because, you know, they are working on big projects and, and then there's a lot of day-to-day -day in there that maybe, you know, they don't feel comfortable bringing this up in front of their team, especially at Post Beyond because we have an open office concept. So when the one-on-ones are happening, it's usually a walking meeting. So maybe they go out, get a coffee or something like that, or, you know, get off site and, you know, change their environment so that they can be more candid and not worry about, oh, this person's listening, this person's on over here. You know, mm -hmm. we worked on the same task. They had no problems with it, but I did and I'm embarrassed or something like that. Trying to right. really figure out what it is that's, you know, that's getting in their way of getting their work done without the rest of the team kind of eavesdropping on it. So the first uh, five to 10 minutes would be sort of, you know, how are you feeling, uh, generally speaking? And then, you know, we go into what is your BHAG looking like? So your big, hairy, audacious goal that everybody has per quarter that's outside of their day-to-day -day work or their, their overarching projects, but something that's specific to them that they want to work on that's innovative that m may improve their workflow um, how is that going where are you finding you know issues what can I do to support you moving forward in this what whoever who else do you need to bring into the fold you need to bring in this department and this department I will support you talking about that and really getting into the nitty-gritty of all those details 
And then the last portion of it, which would be the last 10 minutes or so, will be for them to ask any questions that they may have, follow up on items from the week before, or, you know, discuss meetings that came up or certain policies that changed, um, and just be more candid and fluid in conversation about that. They can even just talk about their lives or anything personal they want to talk about. The coffee shop that they're at, maybe they don't really appreciate the coffee that's there and they want to um, articulate that and share that. Uh, just making it a little bit more casual at the end as well. I think that that's very powerful. And the other thing that we do as well, and this is more so on a quarterly basis, because there are some instances where people don't want to share what's going on with them, with their direct report, with their manager, because maybe they don't have that psychological safety. Maybe they don't feel they have that rapport with that person. Maybe they're new to the team uh, or or that the, the manager is new to the team and they're, they haven't built that trust yet and they want to talk to somebody about it, but they don't have, you know, the right forum to do it or, or the avenue to explore to do that. So what we've in, introduced is a start, stop, continue model, which we do on a quarterly basis where they, the team brings in you know, something they want the manager to start, something that they want uh, the manager to stop doing, and something that they want them to continue doing. And it could be multiple things. So if the continue is a laundry list of things that they're doing great, I love to see it. Um, if there's a laundry list of things they need to stop, then I need to see it. Um, and then from a start uh, standpoint, if it's something that the leadership team can all, you know, get their hands in and try to explore, that's something that we can speak to as well. So that comes into me and I keep it in a, a confidential. So I, I don't uh, share the names of who, you know, suggested certain starts, stops and continues. I articulate it to the leaders, but in a theme kind of mentality. So this theme came up um, uh, from your team that they're looking for you to start you know, engaging in this particular way, or, you know, um, your team had mentioned that they want this particular action to stop because it's not productive in this way, as opposed to it being like, John said, you should stop doing this because he doesn't like you or something like that. Just, so, you know, you want it to be constructive. And we found that that's been very, very insightful and impactful feedback that we're able to actually action. So I think that that's also been a great um, introduction to the team. And we've been doing it for um, three quarters now, and we've had a lot of positive feedback, even on our uh, employee satisfaction survey about that survey. So I think that's also another way to tap into um, how the team is feeling if they don't want to articulate that in one-on-ones. Yeah, that's excellent. And how, how do employees um, respond to that survey? Is it is it something that just gets sent out by email and then they there's sort of a section per leader, or is it not as specific as leader by leader? Is it more generally about the, the sort of department or or company? It's a yeah, it's specifically about their leader. So, okay. for instance, if it's if it's for the engineering team, each person on the engineering team gets a, a just a survey that says start stop, continue, and then they fill it in. And then what on my end, what I see is, did someone forget to fill it in? <laughs> and I can ping that person and say, hey, we'd love to get this feedback from you regarding your, your uh, manager. Um, you know, they, they want to grow just as much as, as you do. And, you know, the only way we can do that is that, to make sure that we um, get this, extract this uh, information from the full team and get the full picture. And usually it's just because that person forgot. And so they're like, oh, my, you know, my bad, no worries, I'll, I'll send it to you right now. Um, and then, so I'm able to see that, but when I express that to the leaders, it's, there's no names involved whatsoever, so it does stay constructive. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really amazing that you're you're creating that opportunity for that multi-directional feedback to be surfaced. And as you said, you know, managers and leaders want to grow as much as the next person. Well, at least they should want to grow as much as the mm-hmm. next person. So, um, you know, this is really lovely to hear that you're providing um, a way for the employee and the team members to provide feedback. And I love the simplicity of your your start stop continue model. Like that, that even that is is easily adaptable to. If you know if any of our listeners are thinking about that they're struggling with their one on ones and they don't really know how to get the conversation started, like something as simple as start stop continue could very easily be applied in the one on one setting as well. You know, but in both ways, both to the employee and to the manager. So. Thank you for sharing that. That's a really no nice, problem. simple way to look at it. And and you know, I we've even actually put it into the fold of uh, performance reviews, believe it or not. Um, so in terms of how we look at performance reviews, we want to do a self-assessment for each person on the team as well. So not just us saying, this is how you did, this is how you did, this is how you did. Um, and these are the metrics. We want them to also reflect on their quarter. So what we've done is we've just plugged in the start, stop, continue, and they take that as a self-assessment to themselves. So when we go over, and I go over all of the uh, performance reviews um, from a summary standpoint with all of the leaders, just to make sure that, you know, that we're all paying attention. Um, and so what they tell me is, okay, Sarah wants to start doing this and, and that could be her goal for the, for the next quarter. And she wants to stop doing this. So it could be that, you know, she feels she's, she's come, you know, falling short on tightening her meetings or, you know, not providing agendas at the beginning of her meeting. So she's getting off task and, you know, the purpose of the meeting gets lost or something like that. Certain things that she's observed, absorbed, observed, sorry, of her own behavior that's affecting her workflow, that's affecting her output of work. And maybe the leader didn't even notice that. And they were like, oh, you know what? we can always improve. Let's focus on that. Let's do a course on time management. Let's, you know, look at how we can help you with that, how we can support you with that. Or maybe I, you know, know some best practices that I can share with Sarah to help her move forward and check in on that to make sure that, you know, she's implemented those and that it's something that she's finding useful. And if it's not, then, okay, that didn't work for you. What else can we try? So really engaging the team in that way so that they can also reflect not just that they're telling us what they think the managers should do, but also that they are thinking about it for themselves as well. Yeah, it's really a powerful model because you could even apply it to, you know, um, broader company, um, you know, global goals and and improving ways of working just generally together. So that's, that's really interesting to hear how embedded that has become in in the way that you're you're providing feedback and helping assess people's performance, but also helping them identify for themselves what their areas of not only strengths but areas of improvement are. And how how do you think that that approach has contributed to your the, the sort of the general experience that people have with working at Post Beyond? Has having a real focus and, as you were saying earlier, paying attention to um, creating these mechanisms for feedback, making sure that the one-on-ones are happening, making sure that there is the upward feedback about managers, has that helped your retention? Has that Does that make people stay because they feel like they're being heard? Or what other impacts have you seen from that sort of rigor that you're bringing to to that part of your your people management? 
Definitely. I, I feel that it has, you know, our retention is, is really amazing. And um, that's something I'm held accountable for. So that works for me. Um, but also, you know, I love to see the, the team want to be here and, you know, want to, uh, to, to, you know, build something at Post Beyond and continue to do so. And I think feedback ties into that greatly because, you know, if we're not hearing from them what we're doing wrong, then we can't fix that for them so that their employee experience is more positive. If something is happening that's throwing them off course, then, you know, instead of them being disgruntled and not feeling like they have an outlet to express those things and going out and finding another job, you know, like we want to make sure that we're, we're actually paying attention to those those little details. And, you know, with adding in the, the metrics and the KPIs and trying to find the purpose for those individuals, we're able to introduce perks into our policies. So, you know, everyone knows what's, what they're held accountable to, what their quarterly goals are, and it's, it's very, you know, quantitative. And there's also qualitative um, uh, component to that as well. But, you know, majority of it is something that, the, that we can measure. And we all agree that this thing that we're measuring matters to the overall business. And how you get to it and how you get it done is up to you. So, you know, we have things like unlimited work from home. We have unlimited vacation. And that really just, it ties into trust and accountability going hand in hand. We trust our team to get their work done. And that's it. That's that's the bottom line. Um, and if, you know, we get to the quarterly review and we see that, you know, someone's underperforming in some way, then we work with that person to to help them out of whatever, you know, sticky spot they're in. What is it that that's the issue here? Is it that this goal actually isn't attainable because, you know, look at the benchmarks in the industry and across other companies. Are we aiming way too high for this person's capabilities or is it, a, you know, a skill issue? Do we need to, to upscale here and help them with, you know, getting better at whatever task they're working on? Is it an Excel training that we need to do? You know, PowerPoint presentations, uh, professional presentations, soft skills, anything like that that can help them, you know, empower them to, to do their work in a, in a you know, a more impactful way. What is it that we can do in that regard? And so we're always so involved with what's going on, but at the same time, we give everyone autonomy to get their work done. So it's 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 a very very delicate balance. And I would like this. I think it's it's more of a harmony. That's what I would have to say. Yeah, and it sounds like your your team leaders, or I don't know what you what you call people who are leading projects or people in your environment, but sounds like you're, you really are empowering your team leaders to be critical in the success of any of your people strategies. And you know, that requires a significant amount of dedication and effort uh, to bring people along. And obviously it's, it speaks to the quality of people that you're hiring as well. But how do you, you know, as someone who's who's coming at this from a people experience perspective, how are you training and, and educating and, and helping managers and, and team leaders be those active champions for what you're trying to achieve in the day-to-day? -day? Definitely. Uh, the first thing, you know, we, we did... Um, and, uh, our CEO right now, David Lloyd, he, uh, he's been with the company about two years now, 
And when he came on board, I brought him a list of things that I think we need to do in order to to change the culture so that it's a more positive experience for all of the employees, so we can be more employee focused. And one of the main things I had on that list was to put the team through a leadership training because mm-hmm. you know everyone has their own version of being a leader, and we do call them the leadership team here. Um, everyone has their own version, what they're comfortable with, maybe what they've brought from other companies that maybe aren't the best um, practice in terms of how they run their teams. Um, and so what I thought was, was very key and, uh, you know, David agreed with this was finding a way to standardize how we approach being leaders. Um, and so going through this, this program together, we've all gone through the same leadership program and it was a full year. It was called, uh, Crescom, I know they're worldwide, so this will be beneficial for anyone who's looking for a leadership training. But, you know, it's it's once a month, you do two modules, and it just, it takes you through, you know, how to be the best leader that you can be. And talking about, you know, even thinking about your customers, thinking about, um, you know, how do you get your employees to be more engaged with your customers? Well, that starts with your employees and how you're engaged with them and, and giving you best practice. And, and, you know, truthfully, the, the uh, start, stop, continue model um, stemmed from that program. We, you know, it was something so tiny that came up in orientation once. And I thought, that's amazing. Uh, We should run with that. They should have focused more on that. And I, I actually did a, um, a video uh, testimonial with them where I said, you guys need to talk about start, stop, continue more. Um, and and a lot of, of what we're doing across the board in terms of, you know, new policies or, you know, looking at our onboarding program and things like that, we're all on the same page with, you know, what we want to go forward with implementing because we've been through the same training and we can see that this has worked for other companies. So why not have what's worked really well for other companies at a company we work at and have it be the best experience we can have? So that's definitely uh, one of the ways we get the team on the same page. Yeah, it's an interesting point you raise about the standardization because I think that there is a danger, especially in uh, tech companies and startups, where there's almost the anti-standardization approach because you you don't want to sort of crush people's creativity and you you know you want to give people ownership of their area of the business and soon you end up with this sort of patchwork quilt of of sort of stitching a business together, which ultimately um, starts to run into trouble, right? Um, And I think if you can understand what that standardization is for your particular environment, like that's the key. Like it doesn't mean that one size fits all for every single business that was ever invented. But the key thing is, is that you as a leadership team have to agree on, uh, you know, what are those commonalities or those common ways that you agree to show up and operate the business and that almost gets that sort of piece out of the way and then you can just get on with helping people do great things in in your business environment and become a great business in doing so so I'm, I'm glad that you raised that piece about standardization because I think that is something that people struggle with and it's not always something that is there at the beginning of a, a company's um, existence and as things evolve and business priorities change, I think the companies who have started with a, sort of tending towards having some sort of commonality there uh, maybe find it easier to transition when they, they do see growth or where you know there are different things that they have to deal with as a business. If you've got that sort of common language, it, 
must make it a bit easier to, to navigate through difficult times. Something else you raised um, in what you just said about the leadership training program is this notion of um, employee experience is customer experience. And yes. I don't know if you have, if you agree with that, but I've, I've read quite a bit recently about sort of that connection between employee experience and how that expresses itself as the customer experience. So maybe you could shed some light on what your opinion is on that. Definitely. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's such a simple statement to, you know, the employee experience is, you know, what the customer is going to, what the customer experience is, but that's exactly it. If the employees are disgruntled or they're disengaged or they're not happy in their environment, that is going to come out in their interactions with the customer especially for those frontline employees, those ones that are touching the customer at any point, that those are the people that really need to have that, that attention and, and that employee focus. And, and, you know, those, you know, areas of where there's issues, they need to be rectified. And, you know, granted, that should be happening across the board for all the employees. You should be employee focused and, and make sure that you have, um, you know, insight into what's going on across your team. But definitely when it comes to the frontline uh, folks who, who sometimes, you know, get dismissed or, you know, the executive team doesn't really have great, you know, great lens into what they're doing, they can feel underappreciated. And that comes out in the work that they do. I think mm -hmm. that some of the, the, the teams that are very successful, you know, in, 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 in doing this and understanding that that's important are the ones that have the best customer service. You can look across, you know, in different companies, which companies have, you know, are seeing we're number one in culture or we have a this culture award or um, great place to work and, you know, awards like that and you, you talk to someone that works there from a customer standpoint, you'll see the difference when, whereas when you're talking to someone who works at a company that, you know, you, you know, or their employees are being mistreated, it's yeah. a different experience completely. So I do feel that there's a clear correlation between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And I mean, I mean, I speak with um, just even our customers who are, you know, they're, they're obviously really dialed into the notion of, of, you know, how they need to be engaging their, their people more. And, you know, that the key link there is for us from a, you know, from Jostle's perspective is that, you know, we have to be demonstrating how by creating a really positive experience for our customers, we are also in turn creating a really positive experience for our people because it's really satisfying for them to see the result of a happy customer. So it works both ways, um, and it's. I just think it's fascinating. I, I think it's really interesting if you, you you know you start to dig into like the the depth of that connection, and if you if you really get passionate about it, which I, I, you and I obviously are two people on the planet who do, and there are some others. Right. Um, but I can kind of nerd out on this stuff, right? And it's it's just the, the whole like it's so fascinating this whole sort of idea of, of human nature and, and how, um, you know, you, you bring this experience in one area and it leads to, you know, all these downstream effects that can be so positive or they can be so negative, right? And it's just, if, 
you know, if, if people just take a step back and actually just keep coming back to the, it's just go to the human level, like go to the individual level and, and that's where you find your answers. Um, you know, maybe it would make some of these things that we're struggling with get a little bit easier. Sure. But anyhow, that's enough, enough of my opinion on, on that. But um, what I do want to just have a chat about before we, we wrap up is just having a, a, a quick look at um, how your company where you're at now has, has evolved um, in terms of your culture and the engagement that you have with your people. And sure. congratulations on your recent award. I, I saw this morning on LinkedIn that you had received an award for employee engagement. So um, you're doing something right. So could you share a little bit about what you're doing and help help others learn from you? Absolutely. I mean, I guess you kind of have to see where we started from in a sense. So when I first came onto the team, we came from an incubator space. So um, Toronto is, is a hub for a lot of great startups that are doing really cool, innovative things. And um, what we have is you know, a lot of offices that, you know, share a space uh, with a bunch of different startups. So we're in this incubator space and the culture is amazing because they have, you know, office managers and culture reps and all these people who, who really try to bring all of the different uh, companies together so that their experience in that office is phenomenal. And, you know, even though they have the stresses of being a startup, they still have that, that great work-life balance because there's all these events going on and it's great. So I came onto the team right after they moved out of the incubator and into our own office. And, you know, that's when reality started to set in for the team that, you know, maybe the culture wasn't real. Maybe, you know, what what they were so excited about and what brought them all together was all of the other things that were going on around them in that space that was facilitated by those by that particular office company. Um, and so coming into our, our own space, and, and granted, I wasn't at the incubator space, so I'm just seeing a lot of very sad people um, <laughs> feeling like they, you know, they're missing out on something or they, they right. miss their friends that worked at other companies. And, you know, it's not a fun environment anymore and there's no outlet. You know, we're still being worked the same way, but we have no, you know, events to go to after or no, you know, fun beer in the office or anything like that. Yeah. And so and trying to figure out the mechanics of that was uh an incredible undertaking because I didn't really understand the initial environment that they were in. So going to those environments and actually talking to the people that work there and saying, you know, what were you guys doing that was so great that is now taken away <laughs> from us? Yeah. You know, what can I take from that to bring to our office that can help us get back on the right track? Um, so, you know, forming a culture committee was a big part of that. So the culture committee is like, you know, a bottom-up approach, I lead it. And so it's a rep from each department that basically represents their department. And so if there's any issues that come up from, you know, their book of business or things that they want to implement from even just like a fun culture standpoint, they can bring that to, to the meetings that we have and we can, you know, start to look at building those into, you know, the, the plan that we have for the team, you know, introducing a beer clock, introducing, you know, hackathons and, you know, brainstorming sessions for the team and, you know, really taking care of all of those other aspects that kind of bring that fun element to the team where you're still doing work, but it's, you know, work that 
is more interesting. You're able to come up with more innovative approaches to, to, to going about the business and what have you. So that was the first way to kind of tap into, you know, what is it that you guys took from that company, from that incubator space? What can we do to bring that in in-house? And, you know, what are the issues? What, why are people so saddened by losing that, that environment? I think that's something that's such a culture shock for them. And it definitely was a culture shock. Yeah. How many people were you when you moved from the incubator to your new space? So, yeah, so moving uh, from, we were getting too big for that space, tell you what, but <laughs> usually yeah. they cap you at 20 people, but we were at 40 people at the time. Um, so they were gracious enough to let us stay there. And then they were like, you got to go. Um, so we ended up in our own office. Um, and so, you know, coming here, they're in closer quarters and, um, you know, nothing's really tying them together in a, outside of the work side of things. It seemed a little bit yeah. chaotic. Um, so that's why they brought me onto the team. And, you know, I just had to really take the time. And again, back to this, you know, taking the time to step back and not just be like, I'm going to fix this right away. Taking a step back, looking at from a need standpoint, what do, what is, what's missing here? Let me talk to everybody on this team and find out what is there, what's the biggest hurdle? What's the thing that's, you know, making this a, a tough place to work, uh, making yeah. this environment, you know, what, what was the culture shock, shock attributed to, you know, um, not enough natural light. Let's talk about it <laughs> to the lights are too fluorescent, which is a, this is a real thing. I kid you not. The lights are too fluorescent. Okay. I will bring in something to diffuse the lights. And now we have cloud lighting. Like we just have like these clouds in the ceiling in our office. We're losing them because we're going to a new office, yeah. but it's better okay. lighting there. But just little things like this, because if people have headaches because the light's too bright. That's a big deal. That's a problem. Yeah, of course. And you yeah. wouldn't know this unless you tapped into what those issues are because some people just wouldn't care to ask, right? So looking at things like that, then, you know, mission, vision, values. That was something we needed to really focus on. So I talked to David. I talked to the leadership team. I said, we got we to gotta figure out, are we all aligned in the, in the mission, vision, values? You're a new CEO to the company. What is it that you, that you see for us going forward? And how do we get the team involved in what that looks like? And what, what's the outcome going to be if they're involved? And so now we have values that everyone's, you know, you could ask the team right now, any person on the team right now, what our values are. And they'll tell you because we always put a hashtag in front of it. And uh, they'll tell you what they are verbatim, vision verbatim, mission's a little bit, you know, long-winded, but <laughs> we're working on that. Um, and so just making sure that we're all aligned and we know which, which direction we're going is, is, was so huge for the team. And then from that, building in the purpose in terms of what everyone's individual metrics are, what their team metrics are, and then from a corporate standpoint, what the overall goals of the company are and tying that to, you know, how they're compensated and from a, from a bonus standpoint has been huge for the team as well. And then we're able to introduce, you know, the different perks that, you know, some of the, the ones that I mentioned, uh, because now we have that accountability, we can also trust the team that they're going to get those things done. So a lot of layers and there's a lot of stuff that happened in between. But uh, um, in a nutshell, that's how we got to this point, I would say. Well, thank you for sharing that. And how many people are you today? So what's your growth? Be? Today we're at 35. So we had a bit of a restructuring that happened uh, a couple years ago. And so now we're re rebuilding from that. 
That's well, good. They, they always say if you've never gone through the restructuring part as a startup, then, you know, <laughs> you haven't really uh, hit your hit your mark yet. And it's, that's a, you know, that's a hard thing to do, but that is oftentimes that's a, it's a healthy thing to do that. Um, I mean, you know, obviously notwithstanding how it impacts people, but, um, you know, as you're setting your North Star, uh, you know, you've got to make sure that you're moving in the right direction with the right structure and it's hard to move a lot of people, right? So I, I, I hope that uh, as you move into your new space and you, you start to, you know, find your, your, your new way of being and uh, hopefully the culture shock is not <laughs> as apparent. Uh, you know, I can imagine how that must have been for your, your people to go from such a, such a, a vibrant, active space to, to something quite different. So, uh, you know, I, I can only begin to imagine what those challenges must have been like to overcome that because that's, I mean, moving in and in of itself is hard. And when you have to deal with the, the culture change that comes with that, that's, that's incredibly difficult. It can be so, very taxing, for sure. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I, I just wanted to ask you to share if you, know, if you had a few nuggets of advice to share with someone else who might be dealing with similar um, you know, culture building issues or, um, you know, are just really trying to rethink how to structure their culture. Like, what advice do you have for, for others given what you've gone through in your career? I think uh, one of the biggest um, pieces of advice I can give is, you know, make sure that everyone knows what's expected of them. That, that's so important. You know, people know how to keep busy and look busy, but it doesn't mean that that's fulfilling for them. It's really, it brings you back to the, the culture piece. And the award that we won was actually based on um, culture and purpose in employee engagement. Mm. Um, and I definitely think that that's the thing that stood out uh, from what we're doing and really trying to hone in on on that purpose piece and, and making sure that those those goals are attainable as well. And, you know, talking to your team, don't just, you know, come up with the, the goals yourself and say, this is, these are the things I want to get done. And this is what they, sh you know, how they kind of build into that. Start from their opinion on what things need to be done as well. Bring them into the conversation. Find time to do pulse checks with your team. Skip level if you need to. So for all those who, you know, are leading in the, from a people standpoint, talk to the leaders and say, hey, I want to talk to this person on your team because they seem disengaged and see, you know, see if you can come to a, a compromise with a, them allowing you to do that and have a stay interview with that person. You know, maybe it's they're, they're uncomfortable mm -hmm. talking to that particular leader. And that's something that, you know, from an HR standpoint that they need to express and they don't, they didn't know that that was the way to go about it. So if you pick up on those, those things then go for it, you know, trust your gut, investigate, you know, create a committee to help you. I definitely recommend that. And, and even, you know, not just from a volunteer standpoint, because sometimes people lose interest and, or, you know, somebody leaves the company and it falls off. Don't just pick the people who are eager and, and want to, you know, do plan fun things, but see if the leaders will nominate someone. 
because you want to make sure mm-hmm. that person has capacity to actually take on being on this committee. See if they'll nominate someone and then talk to that person to see if they're actually interested in joining the committee that you're creating. And that way you'll get more longevity out of it. You'll get more purposeful work out of it, meaningful contributions out of it. And it's not just like, oh, I volunteered this one time to do this because it sounded really cool and now I have no interest and I don't know how to get out of it. You want it to be, you know, this is, a, this is something that we're entrusting you with as being on this culture committee or whatever it is you you name it or engagement uh, team or something like that, those people can help you. Those are the people who really have the same mentality that you do about people, but they're just not people leaders. But that's okay. Right. You can tap into those that that talent that they have, that that empathy that they have, and you know, really use it to to help better your team overall and your company overall. Well, thank you. That's really critical advice and uh, you know I, I think what I've heard throughout this time that we've spent together today is just how important purpose is to you personally and it really comes through in some of the experiences and, and some of the artifacts that you've shared with us about what you're building at uh, Post Beyond and I just I'm so grateful that you were able to share some really practical insights and tips with me and with our our listeners. So thank you so much for being open and for having a growth mindset and being, um, you know, just a a great ambassador for, uh, you know, the importance of of people in the workplace and how it is actually possible to bring people along and create an environment where people can really thrive. So please don't stop what you're doing. And uh, just thank you very much for sharing your ideas and your time with us today. I appreciate you having me on. It was great. Fantastic. Well, we'll wrap it here and uh, let, uh, you know, we both have days to get on with. And um, just thank you again. And I hope that we'll keep in touch. And uh, please share anything else that uh, comes to mind. And we'll uh, keep up the good work. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you, Shauna. Alrighty. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to People at Work today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you'd like to reach uh, Shauna to chat about anything that she raised during the conversation, please find her on LinkedIn or via the notes page of this episode. If you'd like to reach me, I'm at bev at jostle.me. And I'd love to hear any feedback or thoughts that you might have on future topics or guests for the podcast. If you really enjoyed today's podcast, please consider subscribing or leaving us a review. We certainly love hearing from you and seeing that people are enjoying and using the content that we're providing. So until next time, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you soon. Thank you.